Do I sieve the flour in now? No, you need to put the broccoli onto steam, then fry the mushrooms, and then you can sieve the flour. Come on, James, focus! Okay, okay. Can you pass me the spatula? James, you don't need the spatula. You're kneading the dough for at least another two minutes. Sorry, well, I usually just improvise a bit when I cook, you know, like throw in a bit of lemon, a handful of capers, you know, that sort of thing. Improvise? James, I would never do that. What if we were slammed right now? What if you had to prepare five creme brulees for the same table? What if Lisa, at that table, leans over to Jane, her best friend of 20 years, and says that her creme brulee has a caper in it? Well, obviously I wouldn't put capers now in a Now Jane is rummaging around in the crust with her bare hands trying to find a caper, and her hands are burnt, and she leaves a one-star review of the restaurant and sues us for good measure! Our reputation is in tatters and we're bankrupt, and it's all your fault! What are you talking about? Walt, you're really mean when you cook. Sorry, man. I, I think I'm still a little traumatized from my time as a waiter. Yeah, you know, now I think about it, the chefs used to talk to me that same way. I, gosh, how silly of me. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I clearly have a lot left to learn, and, and thanks for telling me. It's fine, man. It's all right. Oh, damn. I, had, I think I added the wrong spices. Yeah, yeah, you wanted paprika and I put cumin in. Oh, well, should be alright if we just add a little you bit of- You stupid donkey! <laughs> <laughs>
from our patrons over yeah. on Patreon. So a huge thank you to everyone who has supported us over there for the last few months. Um, obviously, you can check it out at patreon.com slash Podcast. But w- we would not have spent this amount of money on no. microphones if we didn't know that most of it was covered by the, the amazing support that you've all given us. We were so excited to get these microphones. I was at work at my office when they arrived at Walt's house. And on my lunch break, I drove around to Walt's place <laughs> just to see them. Because, like, these are... This is what you would look, get in a radio station. These are yeah. so professional. This is... We're doing it, man. Yeah. We're doing it. Really doing it. We feel like real pros and we yeah. felt like real pros every step of buying the mics. We were like, this is unbelievable that we get to do this. It's so, so exciting. And yeah. look, it genuinely is all thanks to you guys. And we would not be putting in our own money behind this project if it wasn't for you. So if you really do like what we do, you can check out patreon.com slash get commanded to support us. But you can support us in whatever way you want or whatever way you can. Tell your playgroup about us. Tell your LGS about us if there's like, you know people running your store tell them like get commanded they're great if they're ever in brisbane or if they're ever anywhere tell us um and just listen to our podcast every week when we put out a new episode follow our socials like subscribe all of that jazz Mm -hmm. we really really appreciate you all we do really appreciate it all and also we wanted to say thank you to you all in a more formal way Mm. so we're going to be doing a giveaway yes you might remember that we went to command fest in melbourne a few uh months back it was a while ago now so we understand if you, if you don't remember that but basically we, we, when we were playing in the event that day we played a lot of commander that, that we, day we racked up a lot of prize tickets if you don't know how we command did. fest works basically every game of commander you play you wave down a judge and you tell them about the game and the judge will give you prize tickets like a you know, if you were going to a, you know, GP back in the old days, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. So we accrued quite a number of these to the extent where we got to the end of the day and we were like, let's just pull our, our tickets together and get a prize together, both me and James. And honestly, we were pretty like, what can we get from yeah. our prize tickets? And it what can't be want? much. Like we, it can't be much. It can't be much. And also like we, ha- like the pre-cons were the obvious one, but we have mm. so many decks. We were like, we don't really want pre-cons. And we realized if we spent about 10 bucks each, we had enough tickets to get a booster box. Yep. Of Commander Legends Battle for Boulder's Gate. Which is only becoming a better and better set as time goes on. Some of these cards are creeping up in price. The backgrounds are becoming ever more playable as people realize the potential that they have. Yeah, the backgrounds are are super good. And some of them are very chase and you can't find them anywhere. Mm. So a great opportunity to get these. So basically, we have this booster box of Commander Legends 2 Battle for Boulder's Gate. And we want to give it to you, to one of you listeners out there. This is our first giveaway. It's yeah. exciting. New it's, microphones, a giveaway. It's oh, a it's, celebration it's of, of where we're at. And and the, the way to enter it, by the way, you, you can follow us on any of our three main social platforms that we're on. So Twitter, Instagram, or Threads. Uh, make a post and tag a friend that you'd like to draft this booster box with and just use the hashtag time to get commanded hashtag time to get commanded at the end of your post uh, and you can get multiple entries into this giveaway by uh, following us on multiple platforms posting on multiple platforms um, do any of those things before the 27th of October so two weeks from when this episode comes out uh, and on the 27th of October we'll announce the winner and yeah we will g- give you a booster box of Commander Legends 2 Battle for Boulder's Gate so and we'll yeah. post it we'll post it out if, we'll if we it need anywhere, it to anywhere you need to get to if yeah. you're local we'll hand deliver it so, yes, we uh, and we'll, we'll get a game in with you for sure but yeah you can get three entries on all the platforms go follow us on all of them um, we're trying to do 
a lot of content. Like we were just at PAX mm-hmm. um, this past weekend and I was on our Instagram just kind of sharing stories of people I was meeting, the cosplayers from Magic that I got to hang out with and yep. all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's good content on all of those and Twitter is a great place to go if you want Walt's up-to-date thoughts on the, the drama of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then I get a little... Every now and then you drop into get on my yeah, yeah, get on my, my soapbox a bit. But uh, yeah, so enter that giveaway, please do. But we do, of course, have to get to our incoming transmission. Yeah, we have a whole like podcast <laughs> to go. That's right? what that's, that's for, it. Yeah. right? Yeah. I was too busy celebrating. We actually have a topic to cover. <laughs> We'd better get to that topic. Uh, so this is an incoming transmission from the deep depths of the galaxy from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. Experienced deck builders can find it challenging to construct decks that are enjoyable to construct and to pilot, but are not very powerful. However, a compromise can be made when one sets out to use the wrong commander. All right. Okay. We've talked a lot, especially when we talk about, you know, the deck building template that we use. Mm -hmm. We talk almost like in every single section of that template, we talk about synergy of, is it synergizing with your commander? Then you can, then you can play it. It's like much easier. But space commanders seem to think that sometimes there's a little bit of value in playing the wrong commander for Mm. your deck. Well, specifically they said it, it can be tough for people who build a lot of decks to build some decks that they have fun building, yeah. but aren't that powerful. Because right? they overdo it sometimes. Yeah. And so, I think, yeah, we do that a lot of the time. Yeah. I think we've done, you know, we go out to build a deck and then we go, oh, damn, this is like way too high powered. I mean, it, it's hard not to, right? Like, it, it's very rare that you'll see someone, um, you know, like open a pack of of whatever booster is currently around. Commander Legend Baldur's Gate, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> they open a pack of that. They pull like an absolutely busted card and like don't put it in one of their decks. You yeah. know, like most of the time when, when we're acquiring new cards, whether it's by singles or cracking packs or whatever we're doing, it's like usually decks just have to naturally get stronger over time. So it's very easy to start with a commander that's pretty strong, keep on adding these new amazing cards. I'm talking specifically to people who are tinkerers for those who remember uh, my article yeah. came out a month ago on Commander's Herald. Keen for the next one. Yes, but um, tinkerers especially are going to struggle with this, which is like, yeah, just opening good cards and being like, oh, this would this be so good. This definitely my- should go in my deck. This is so good in my human's deck, right? I think there's also another like phenomenon that happens when, you know, a, an experienced deck builder is what the Space Commanders refer mm. to it as. They go out to build a deck, right? And they see a legendary creature, maybe from the new set. Maybe it's got a token synergy, right? Mm. And they're immediately like, oh, it's a token deck. I'm in green and white. I'll put in anointed procession. Yeah. I'll put in parallel lives. I'll put like there's auto includes in our format. Mm. And I think that does make commanders that lean into a strategy really well. Like if there is a specific commander that just says you want to be making a bunch of tokens, why wouldn't you include all those staples? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hard to avoid this like little bit of power creep basically that goes on. Essentially, so, yeah. Yeah. So we, we if we're setting out to build a slightly like lower power deck. I guess the, the important thing to note here is that the the commander that we choose for the deck 
it's going to have a really huge effect on the power level ceiling of a deck, right? So, well, I mean, you always have access to your commander. Yeah. So that's like the obvious reason why it's going to be more consistent if you have a more powerful commander. Yeah. Well, and also like as you include more and more powerful cards, certain decks will just continue to become more powerful. Whereas yeah. the choice of a commander can reduce that power level ceiling. So I'm guessing this is where the space commanders are coming from is can you choose a commander that means that even as you make those incremental upgrades to your deck- still have like a lower ceiling because the commander yeah. isn't right okay i see where you're going because we've actually like we've done this pretty consciously with quite a few of our decks totally so we should probably use those decks as like a bit of a guideline then, i reckon right? that'd be the way to go so yeah. we can take people through some of the decks that we've built that have the quote the wrong commander yeah <laughs> at the helm i've had a lot of people go why don't you just play this i'm like great question not because well, this is the answer to that question. Yeah. This whole episode will be the answer to that question. Buckle up. You've got a 60-minute answer incoming. <laughs> um, so I reckon there's like three questions we can ask sure. of our decks to work out what it is about them that's keeping this power level down mm -hmm. with the choice of commander and that kind of thing. So I reckon the, 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 the obvious one is who would be the better commander of this deck? So, yeah. You know, if so that's that's the when someone comes up to you and goes, "Why aren't you just playing this as your commander?" Yeah. Who is that commander? It, it's worth knowing what we're sort of avoiding, right? Like yeah. intentionally. What's the what's the highest ceiling we could get? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the second question I reckon is, what does our deck look like? Mm -hmm. So, like, what's what's the choices we've made and that our choice of commander has done to that busted commander deck that could exist to force the differences? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the last question is sort of the obvious one, which is where has the power level ended up as a result of what we've done? So in other words, yeah. was using the wrong commander like reasonably successful in controlling the power level of the deck that we set out to build? I totally hear you. I also think this is a bit of a good chance and a good opportunity to shout out the fact that I have met a lot of players and we've had this on our Q&As before where some people are struggling to downpower their decks or downpower mm. their deck building. Yeah. And just out of the list of commanders that we've got here to talk about, I actually think of, as a result, these decks are typically lower powered. Mm. So if you are one of those people that have sent in a question to us in the past going, how do I downpower this deck? It's too strong for my play group. My friends are getting salty at me. Yeah. I think this is your episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely tune in for some of the ones that we feature here. So um, I reckon the first section of this episode, yeah, we're talking about the where we have, let's say the deck is built with the right strategy in mind, but we have chosen the wrong commander. So right strategy, wrong commander. Yeah, that's gotcha. sort, sort of what we'll call this section. So right. um, I might go first. Go for it. The deck that's coming to mind for me is my Estrid the Masked deck, also known on Moxfield as Bant Chant Mance. That's, um, it's a good name. I appreciate <laughs> it. I, I think that there should be a global Moxfield competition of the best deck name. Um, oh, I think because there's a geez. lot of contenders. There are definitely. Because, yeah, I've got a couple of decks that I'm incredibly proud of. Oh, some of the ones in the CDH database you look at yeah. and you're like, that is extraordinarily well, good. Well, I just built a new CDH deck and I want to shout out the name of that. Um, I just built a deck with Yagel and Maltani mm -hmm. and the deck is called It's Just an 18-6, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty I did good. see that when you sent the list three. I like it a lot. So yeah, Ban Chamis. This is the one with Estrid, the Planeswalker, yes. at the helm. So this is the the one of the precon commanders from like Commander 2019, I want to say. Was she the face commander? I think she was. Because I think it was all of them had a Planeswalker as oh, the face commander. That was commander. the one with Lord Wingrace. Yeah. And, yeah. All of those were in that, that cycle. So... Um, yes, this is a green-white-blue enchantments-based list. Mm -hmm. So, uh, who would be the better commander of this deck? 
Probably you'd cut a color and just go Sithis Harvest's hand. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's quintessential the Enchantress Commander, right? Yeah, right. It's it's for a green and a white, you get a creature that says whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain a life and draw a card. I would um, have it a guess that if you went onto the enchantments theme on EDA track, mm -hmm. she would be the top one. She probably is these days. Probably. Yeah, I reckon. She's got a lot of um, uh, like old decks to compete with to, for the title. But True. yeah, she's probably the most popular, of, especially of the recent ones. That the have modern built. age of Enchantress. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say so. Um, so yeah, th that would be the better way to build this deck because we would have card draw in the command zone. You'd have ways to gain life, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, so what does my deck look like? Well, it's more focused on land auras um, because basically the the uptick of Estrid is to untap each enchanted permanent you control. This is such a sick synergy. It's basically you get a kind of sort of feast and famine effect yeah. from your planeswalker. If you play it right. So yeah, I've got basically got every card that you can play that's half decent that <laughs> goes on a land and lets it tap for extra mana. Utopia sprawl, fertile ground. Yeah, that, kind, that of kind of thing. And so yeah, it means that you can cast, sometimes cast Estrid, uptick her and end up with as much mana as you had before you cast Estrid. Which Free is planeswalker sweet. spell? Yeah. That seems all right. Planeswalker ritual spell, <laughs> basically. <laughs> that's cool. Um, but yeah, like in order to make the deck work, I have to include a lot of enchantment effects so effects like Sithis Harvest Hand but that are in the 99 so anything that says when you cast an enchantment spell draw a card or when an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control draw a card all of those are in there um, and it means that though that's I have your to find card them. draw package isn't it that's essentially Basically. all of your card draw yeah and I have to find them like if I don't find one of those I will just empty my hand and have nothing to do I'm assuming you're because we had that whole tutors versus card draw episode mm -hmm. you're not running enchanted no tutors, tutors. Yeah, oh okay. actually that's not true there's a Sterling Grove which is the Oh, that does tutor. Sacrifices to tutor something to top a library. Yeah, that's the only tutor in the whole yep. deck. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, where's the power level ended up as a result? It's kind of mid-ish powered. I would say it's a little less powerful than almost every other Enchantress deck I've ever seen. <laughs> I would say it's more powerful than the pre-con it came in. Though. Oh, definitely. It's definitely it's better than that. Yeah. more tuned up and more directed at you know, getting a bunch of auras on your lands, generating a ton of mana and casting things like Nyx Bloom, the one that whenever oh. Enchantress enters, it like doubles its power or Nyx, something. Is it Nyx Bloom Colossus or something? Nyx Bloom Colossus. I think that card's jumped up in price it's just like recently It's like 15 or 20 well. bucks, I think. Yeah. I think you got it when it was like $3 yeah, and now people less. are like- I think it was like 50 cents because wow. I got it around the time when the precon came out. Yeah, that card's expensive. Insane. But yeah, so it's got cards in there like that that can end the game. I, I would not say it's precon level, I agree with you. Yeah. But it's- I would say like a mid-ish kind of power level deck and certainly a lot less powerful and a lot less oppressive mm -hmm. than pretty much every Enchantress effect, Enchantress deck I've seen out there that's doing the kind of prison thing and yeah. the Staxi kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it kind of worked, I think, that one. I really enjoy playing against it, if that's a thumbs up for you. That's definitely a thumbs up for me. Because I find it's not, you know, a, a deck that you've gone, okay, I'm playing a Sithis deck and now I'm drawing my entire library. Enchantments cost five less to cast. Yeah. And I'm just like dropping everything and then I'm going to swing at you with a, maybe even like um, your, not Tatyovo, um, Tavasa. Oh, um, that, that was the sort of like spiritual origin yeah. Yeah, of the like, deck. That deck was a lot more tuned and yeah. I feel like Estrid is the, the wrong commander she would go in the 99 of an enchantment deck but mm -hmm. as the commander it kind of 
brings that power level down a bit and makes you work a little bit harder for your win. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like a lot. What 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 do you reckon? What's which of your decks do you think is this right strategy, wrong commander kind of thing? Well, I reckon I got like one that's pretty on the nose, because I spoke about it a while, specifically after you built your Queen Marchesa uh, aristocrats deck mm-hmm. i was like oh, i really really want to build an aristocrats deck now yeah. we did like a whole deck tech about aristocrats we did yeah, a bunch did of that a, stuff um deck archetypes episode yeah 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 and i was like i think this strategy is really me because you can mm. sack stuff at instant speed what what kind of commander should i get and i was looking at a bunch of commanders and i was like oh yeah aristocrats that's the way to go and i actually landed on scorpion god Oh, yeah, this is the Black Red Legend from, like, the... Hour of Devastation. Yeah, from the Amonkhet, like, block. Yeah. That cares about negative one counters, right? Yes. So, it's a a kind of beefy... I think it's five, man. I think it's three black and a red. And whenever a creature with a negative one counter dies, you draw a card. Which is sick. With anyone's creatures, by the way. Mm. Your creatures, my creatures. If a creature with a negative one counter on it dies, I draw a card. Mm -hmm. It also has that typical god thing of you... If When it dies, you return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step same as scarab god yeah. which i love avoiding command attack so that's <laughs> uh, it's, i'm all about that strangely good at doing that <laughs> yeah yuriko scarab god, god oh my god i have a problem james is a hacker everyone. yeah just <laughs> beat commander um, <laughs> um but i think that i looked at this commander and was like oh i could use the neg one counters as a form of value mm. for an aristocrats deck because the thing that i realized was aristocrats decks lean on negative one or like one one creatures mm-hmm. quite a lot so that's why skull clamp is really good in aristocrats yeah. decks but Scorp- something kill it draw two cards yeah scorpion god has for one black and a red put a negative one counter on a target creature mm. so that is like a way over costed way undervalued <laughs> skull clamp on your commander yeah. in an aristocrats deck you put a neg one counter on a one one it dies, you draw a card. Mm. So look, I mean, my deck looks, you know, if we're going like, this is now the wrong commander for the right strategy. Mm. What does my deck look like? Well, it, who, who who would be the better commander of the deck? Do you oh, think? Oh yeah, totally off? true. Um, oh, actually, I think Ghana would probably be oh. the best commander for this, like a Rakdos yeah. sack deck. You could, you've obviously got a bunch of choices like Judith, the Scourge Diva. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out in a hot take here and actually say that Ghana is the best black, red, aristocrats commander at the moment i would probably agree with that so so this is the one that's four mana it's from um uh, domino united i think correct yeah um and it says whenever a creature you control dies draw a card if it was attacking otherwise it does the aristocrats thing each opponent loses one life you gain a life yes or maybe uh, no i don't think you gain a damage. life yeah you, it only pings everyone yeah it doesn't dr- drain the way that some but the fact do. it has card draw in the command yeah. zone it's strong we actually had a patron game with um space commander fletcher mm-hmm. um and i got to play a pdh version of oh, this you did deck too? i remember it that was a while was ago strong. it was good i became a threat real quick in that game yeah um it was really really good and that's that's that commander as a pdh commander yeah with only commons in the 99 yeah. you can imagine how strong that could be with the typical aristocrats package of yeah. blood artist and, and even even Falcon running like and... skull clamp yeah. and stuff like that like just or even just instant speed sack outlets so you go to combat you swing everything mm. instant speed sack everything draw 20 cards yeah seems pretty good so ghana would definitely be the better commander of your scorpion scorpion god deck if we're going for power yeah so where does your deck look instead so it's got doing the negative one counters thing is like a value engine yeah well like i 
I said, it's got this like, it's trying to do two things at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's trying to control the board with negative one counters. Yeah. So like, I've got a lot of effects, you know, even my commander just does it, where I put negative one counters on other people's big threats at the table. So mm-hmm. if someone's got a big beta, I will make it a tiny beta <laughs> and make it less and less and less good. Or if it's someone's got a small creature that's doing a lot of value, like an Esper Sentinel, it's just yeah. like, cool, I'll pay three mana and kill that and draw a card. That feels pretty good. Esper yeah. Sentinel doesn't draw, I draw. Fantastic. Love that. Um, but I think that there's like, a, like the other side of it is trying to like generate a, a whole board of tokens mm-hmm. and find Blood Artist, Vindictive Vampire, yeah. um, Bastion of Remembrance, all of these um, aristocrats things to close out the game. Sure. So I think it's early game is trying to do the control the board kind of thing, draw mm-hmm. a bunch of cards. And then the end of the game, it's trying to sack its whole board full of tokens. So yep. I'm running like um, Tanali Sky Summoner. It's a really, really sick include in the deck. Mm-hmm. There's the one where you can attack and if you pay x in a red you create x one one elementals oh yeah 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 i've and seen then, you play this in this deck before yeah, yeah. it's if actually have, pretty strong if you have city's blessing you keep them as well oh, it usually yeah. sacrifices at end step so yeah. it's pretty easy to keep and then you've also got like around bitter blossom in the deck just yeah. to keep pooping out tokens good ways to make bodies yeah all the red all the stuff that you can make bodies with and mm-hmm. i think the like power level as a result of this mm-hmm does come down a little bit. Um, I think that the fact it's trying to do two things mm-hmm. makes it harder to find the win. I mean, yeah. we've talked about this before with the equipment and knight effect. If yeah. your deck is trying to do or assemble two pieces, mm-hmm. sometimes you end up all with one and not of the other. Yeah, or like a creature-based spell slinger deck, right? Like you're trying to make a bunch of creatures and you're also trying to cast a bunch of spells. So if you draw all the creatures or all the spells, the deck's mm. not going to work. Yeah, it's yeah. the classic way of... of yeah, you can build a deck that's not so powerful yeah. if you do it intentionally um, by building a deck that needs two different things to work. Yeah. I also think the major hit to this deck is the fact that it's actually not in white. I yeah. could have found a even a black-white commander would have been way better. Yeah, I mean, Taysa Karlov would be screaming at you. Exactly right. I mean, yep. like, that triggers all the permanents that die mm. and, like, all that kind of stuff. It makes... To- There's commanders that make tokens in those colors. Yeah. White gets access to token doublers. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff, it does mean the deck is a little less powerful. And I think if it wasn't for the fact there is actually currently an infinite in the deck, mm. I think this would be a pretty pretty low powered deck yeah um the most the only times that i have one is because out of a war of attrition i have managed to assemble the infinite in the deck and the mm-hmm. infinite is um nest of scarabs yeah and Yorgmoth um thran physician. physician cool the way it works is essentially you sacrifice a creature to Yorgmoth, pay a life to put a negative one counter somewhere mm-hmm. and then you draw a card then, because you put a negative one counter on something, you will make a 1-1 one, one insect via Nest of Scarabs. Mm. This gives you another creature to sacrifice to Yorgmoth. Putting a negative one counter on it, yes. which gives you another 1-1. One, one. Yeah, yeah, infinite. I do appreciate the fact that uh, some of you may already realize that this doesn't win me the game on the spot. I do have to have a Aristocrat's effect on field for mm. this to actually win me the game. Something that's draining your opponents when something's dying. Yeah, yeah. it's you effectively also have a three-card combo. You have to have more cards in your library than there are players in the game as well. Yes, that's Yorgmoth true. Because Yorgmoth makes you or draw more, cards. More 
more cards in my library than the amount of highest life total. Yes. So yes. if someone's at 25 and you've got 24 cards in the library. I can't kill them. Can't do it. Yeah. But yeah. it is it is a very strong combo still. Mm. I mean, it's a three card combo that should win you the game, right? Yeah. I am thinking of taking it out. The trouble I'm having is which half do I take out? Ah. Is do I take out Nest of Scarabs or Yorgmoth? Yeah, that's tough. Both of them work so well in the deck. Yes. One's a yeah. sacrifice outlet and does Neguan counters and the other one creates bodies to sacrifice and cares about having Neguan counters put on that's stuff. That's tough. I think I think Yorgmoth is the strictly stronger card, you'd have to say. Correct. It draws me a lot of cards. Yeah. And you can also proliferate with Yorgmoth. Yeah. I think Yorgmoth is a if you want it just power, like the the better synergy piece, I think it'd have to be Yorgmoth for the card draw and for the synergy and so stuff. So you're saying that's the good one to take out to keep the power level down a bit. Oh, I, I think it depends. I think if you if all you want to do is take the infinite out, and otherwise you think the deck is a good power level, I would mm. take out nested nest of scarabs. Right. But if you think it needs to come down quite a lot, then I would take out Yorgmoth. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, look, Scorpion God draws me a ton of cards already. Yeah. So maybe I could afford to take out Yorgmoth. Oh, I don't know. But tough. I think as a as a result, it is is fairly mid powered. Mm -hmm. um, this is definitely a very creative deck of mine. Yeah. Um, but it is doing one like you know, it's trying to do the things that it's doing, mm -hmm. the Neguan counters and the Aristocrats, and it doesn't mess about with no, it. No, like, it's pretty. It's it's a strong deck, but it's not a uh, yeah. high powered deck, is what I would say. What I what I do usually do as well. If I see someone's got a commander with a power and toughness one one, yeah. I will not play this deck because it just kills your commander. Yeah, I I struggled a lot. The I only admittedly only played this deck maybe once or maybe maybe only just the one time or maybe it's twice. No, I think we played it a few times. Yeah, but the the one time that it really stands out is I was playing my humans deck. And it was a bad oh, matchup. Yeah, that was... I mean, Katilda and Leah alone are a 3-3, three, three, right? Yeah, so it's so pretty it's, easy to kill that. But then it's also just like having a Mother of Runes. It's like a very yeah. juicy target to yep. kill for, for that. And, and it's also... Yeah. I'm super incentivized to kill it. I draw a card. Why wouldn't Yeah, I? like why would you not pay three, three mana to destroy uh, my opponent's synergy piece, draw a card? I know, it's like murder with upside. Yeah. <laughs> it's murder well, with a cantrip. Without costing a card? Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's busted. That yeah. feels wild. Well, all right. Speaking of Katilda and Lee, <laughs> I know for a fact this was a commander because you actually spoke about this pretty heavily when we did all of your decks, mm -hmm. right? You said that you chose Katilda and Lear as the objectively worst commander to run in this yeah. strategy. I mean, I, I I have cycled through a couple of Spellslinger decks at this point. And yeah, I wanted to build one that did not do the usual Spellslinger thing of taking like... It very very long turns a million game actions a million different triggers on the stack and all this kind of stuff so yeah the, my compromise and also compromise for power level was to build Katilda and Leah so this is the, the three mana it's Bant again <laughs> maybe these are my colours white blue green uh, whenever you cast a human spell target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn the mm -hmm. flashback cost is equal to its mana cost so yeah cast a human your rampant growth gains flashback for one and a green you can flash it back do it again um who would be the better commander for this deck? Anyone else? <laughs> I was about to say, you are literally spoilt for choice yeah. with better commanders for Spellslinger. I think probably like, you know, someone like Anello the Painter would oh, be really good. this is the Grixis good. one that yeah. each spell has casualty too. Yeah. Or like, you know, just like strictly great Spellslinger decks like, um, who's the blue red goblin? Is uh, Mizix. Oh, Miz oh Mizix yeah. Mizix would that's, be like an obvious correct one or, or something like this. Uh, you could run Savine the Chronoplasm, <laughs> which and also I do flashback things. 
things. I just built that. Um, yeah. I got to play it at PAX this weekend um, for the first time. Mm-hmm. But the game ended early. The people we were playing with had to duck off and it was very sad. It looked like your next turn. I was about to explode. It was I had go nuts. I had Savine on board, which if for those that don't know, it copies an instant or sorcery from your graveyard the first time you cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard each turn. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. And I had... Um, harmonic prodigy in hand and i had faithful mending in hand and i was about to gain so much because i was about to cast harmonic prodigy cast faithful mending cast it again from graveyard flashback i would have drawn how many cards i would have drawn you would have drawn two discard two and then six eight ten i would have drawn ten cards and discarded ten cards i would have and gained ten life by the way no you gained Two, you two life. Oh yeah, so time ten life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would have gone from forty to fifty and filled my bin with ten cards, ready for the next turn. And I was, Sabine would have been huge as well from um, prowess, right? Oh, the harmonic prodigy would have been huge. Sabine doesn't oh. have prowess. Um, does he not? No, he's got oh, a wow. way better line of text. He says, "Prevent all damage that will be dealt to That's him." That's right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. About. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got that. Doesn't need to be a line of text on no, that card. No, he, he doesn't need prowess. No, <laughs> go without for sure. So yeah, there, there are, are better commanders. There are for better sure. commanders that I could be using instead of Katilda and Liv. My like mine. deck, like <laughs> James's ones. Um. So what does my deck look like? It's got some really great uh, human typal synergy pieces that you would expect to see, like. Mother of Runes, like um, the the four mana one from Strixhaven that draws cards when you cast instances of sorceries. I really like the inclusion of the Cathar Commando, the flash Yeah, one. that's a good one. And it can remove something at flash speed as well. Yeah, this is one you sacrifice to destroy an artifact or enchantment. Oh, I love that. I, I, yeah. Every time you've played that, I've never seen it coming. And you've managed to cast like otherworldly gaze from your graveyard yeah. as well as that. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is sick. I love this. It's fun. So basically like it's a control deck with out counter spells my mm. Catilda and Leah deck so it's it loves holding up weird instant speed card draw and answers and that kind of thing like mandate of pieces is a sick yeah include. mandate of pieces in there but yeah but the deck is slow and grindy because it has to assemble a very strong board it has to have a lot of good cards in the graveyard has to have a great hand of humans specifically to give the things flashback and it's win con is like an overrun effect yeah that's it that's how it's trying to win yeah so it, it needs a, lo- a long time to get set and it basically like unlike a lot of other commanders that are trying to do the overrun style thing, like even other commanders I own, like Reese the Redeemed. Yeah. You know, Reese the Redeemed does so much more for you for filling your board for that overrun. Well, Reese populates. Yeah. Puts a token out every turn. Yes. <laughs> um, whereas, yeah, like a Katilda and Leah deck, you have to cast all the things that make the bodies and then find the, mm. the, the, the win con of some kind. So, yeah, where has the power level ended up as a result? It's like probably my closest to a pre-con level that I've ever built. I think I've, I've set out to build pre-con yeah. level decks three or four times now. They never end up there. <laughs> I can't help myself, but this one's actually pretty close, but it still manages to be really fun to play. I would agree with you there. I actually, we've played pre-con games with like new players mm-hmm. and you've played this deck and I don't think you've won many of them. No. Um, so that's a good example <laughs> of why it's good. The I've o- won one game with this deck ever. Ever? Ever. ever. I've played like six or seven games now. More than that. This is like one of your favorite decks right I- now. I, I don't know. I've been keeping the game log. I think, oh, true, I think yeah. I've only seen it six or seven times, which is wow. still quite a fair bit for the last couple of months. But um, When you yeah. take into account of how many other decks we have. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's true. But I would, yeah, I would argue that this is a very close level pre-con. If anything, I actually would envision if we got a, you know, March of the Machine 
like more March the Machine precons, mm. I could viably see this partner pairing as a precon, and because yeah. it, it's it, you could hear wizards doing the human flashback on the box of the precon. Like it, yeah, it really sells itself and it's trying to do something that's like pretty valuable like it's a good value engine getting yeah. spells back but it's not like panharmonicon like you yeah, know it's yeah. not doing something ridiculous yeah for sure i'd be interested to see what the other because you know every freakon has got the like other face commanders i wonder what they'd put in that would be like an, another band that does the same thing as katilda and lear good luck with that wizards <laughs> I'm trying to think of what you could possibly play. Actually, There's probably some Bant legend that cares about humans, probably. Probably. You do, but you'd lose the flashback. I'm wondering sort of if there's like any like partner pairings in like the oh, the, 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 the commander legends and the original commander partners that you could do to make yeah, a similar a thing. Deck. Oh, you could make like a Bruce Tal. That's red though. Oh, that's got red in it. I was yeah. trying to think white and like things that care yeah. about creatures and like he is a human that enters the battlefield and does stuff. We wish you luck, wizards. Yeah, <laughs> try it. Do that. Try and do Best that. Best of luck. I, guess. Uh, I hope it goes well for you. We're not going to help. Um, <laughs> that's I reckon all we have have for that first category. I reckon a bit later in the episode, let's talk about when we have the right commander but the wrong strategy and kind of invert the whole I thing. I like it. I reckon I like that'll it. be interesting too. But before that. Let's take a thrifty interlude. A thrifty interlude. So there's lots left to talk about, of course. But before that, we're going to hear a little something about a thrifty card. And this week, James is going to join me in a dialogue from the perspective of the designers of this card. So Ooh. speaking of Watsy, Watsy are in this skit. Then they're not. Okay, so our impression just, of Watsi I, I would, I would is like in the to, skit. I would like to highlight whatever happens in this upcoming uh, one minute mm-hmm. enactment. Yeah does not reflect any particular person at Wizards <laughs> of the Coast. Um, I'd like to confirm we're not trying to make fun of Gavin. We're not trying to make fun of anyone that is employed by Wizards. We're actually, we love Wizards. I got to play with a Wizards employee at PAX this weekend. Hey. His name's Mitch. He works for the WPN accreditation in Australia and New Zealand. We love you guys, but let's make fun of you for a hot second. The views of these podcast hosts are not reflective <laughs> of the views of Wizards of the Coast Incorporated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's how we lose sponsorships. <laughs> yeah, gotta tread lightly. Um, would you like to read the card by featuring this I week? sure would. I remember this uh, Thrifty Thursdays from way back in it's the day. It's a good one. Uh, it is Whisperwood Elemental, and it costs three green green for a creature that is a elemental, obviously. And it's a 4-4, four, four because it's an elemental, obviously. <laughs> um, it reads... At the beginning of your end step, manifest the top card of your library. This is when you put the card face down onto the battlefield as a 2-2 creature, and then you can turn it up uh, for its mana cost if it is a creature card. Now, you can sacrifice Whisperwood Elemental until end of turn, face up non-token creatures you control, gain. When this creature dies, manifest the top card of your library. Okay, so he's a spirit of the forest and he keeps it protected. Oh, they've never seen this before. Green card? Yes, and the creature type is elemental. All right, great, great. And what are his abilities? He's protecting the forest. What would he use to protect the forest? Mm, 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 mm. Oh, oh, mysterious balls of unknown energy. Of course. Wait, what? He's a guardian of the forest. Wouldn't he use, like, green mana or saprolings or something like that? No, no, that's so predictable. These mystery balls could be anything. They could be mountains. Mountains? 
You said he was the protector of the forest. Why would he use mountains to protect a forest? They don't have to be mountains. It could be elephants or shoes or eggs or a clown car. Okay, fine. This is weird. But I guess no one's seen it before, so let's come back to this guardian thing. He should have, like, the ability to sacrifice himself for the forest in some way. Yeah, the last stand of the guardian. I like that. Maybe he dies and he turns all of the other creatures into... Something that bolsters the power of the forest. Oh, oh, oh of, course, of course. His last act is to like make the forest stronger or yeah. something. He dies and fetches creatures or, or no, forests he out of- He turns them all into mystery balls. Get budgeted. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely can hear Gavin Verhey like being like, Mystery balls. <laughs> They're like pokeballs, but they could be anything. The hilarious thing is, all of those mystery ball examples that those two designers that we just heard from mm -hmm. were talking about are real magic cards. Yeah, <laughs> shoes. There are shoes. There are lightning greaves. There's the crystal slipper. Yeah, there, there is a clown car. There is actually a clown car. A CDH <laughs> staple, actually, in Magda, um, because it's a zero drop vehicle that you can tap dwarves oh, into. God. That's the state of the world we're in, people. The clown car <laughs> is legal in Commander. I hate it. Uh, look, if you enjoy that uh, strangeness that, whatever I, that, that we just whatever we just did, uh, you can see those released in text form every Thursday in the Greensboro Commander Community's Discord server, which is linked to the show notes, in the Thrifty Thursdays channel. And you can also see us bring some of those to life in video form over on TikTok at get commanded so follow us on there to see those yeah now right before we had that thrifty interlude mm -hmm. we did have a discussion around using the wrong commander for the right strategy so mm -hmm. picking a good strategy and to picking an objectively worse commander downpowering the deck by choosing a commander that's not doing everything you could do in the command zone now we're going to flip it yes so we're going to go with the right commander like a, a, a reasonably strong good commander mm -hmm. but completely build it wrong like the 99 yeah. is the wrong strategy for this commander yep straight up so how can we downpower the commanders that we play with so mm. um i'd like to throw so we'll have to replace the first question we were asking in the first episode part which is there, which what was, the best commander is for that yeah strategy. so we, we, yeah. we obviously know we're in the best commander already so that's that's not going to be a question anymore we're going to ask though instead what would the optimized version of this deck look like so yeah. in other words if we're looking at this commander the super strong commander what would the typical deck look like? And then we'll go into how our deck differs based on the strategy. So the 99 other cards in the deck, yeah. rather than talking about the commander, if that makes sense. Makes sense to me. Cool. Um, right. You go first. I'll start with one that I recently talked about on the podcast, so uh -huh. I won't spend too long on it. Sure. But my Tornos deck... Mm. My charge counter sub theme Tornos deck. <laughs> so Tornos as his apprentice. This is the two mana creature. I'm gonna guess on it. It's a one, Saving, th yeah. one three with haste. Yep. You pay a blue and a red and tap him mm -hmm. and copy target activated or triggered ability from an artifact source that isn't a mana ability. Hey, pretty much bang on. I've heard a lot about this deck, James. Yeah. A friend of mine plays it all the time. Would it be uh, me? Talks about it all the time. That'd be yeah, you, yeah. I, you did say that it was your favorite deck of mine. I do like it a lot. I like it a lot. I'm not going to lie about that. All right. So we'll answer the first question so first. Of the, what is the optimized version of this deck look yeah. like? I actually have found a CEDH build of Tornos. Wow. 
It's a very old build. I will include the link in the show notes. It's mm-hmm. not on the database. It was in the Brewer's Corner. Okay, so it's a, a, not a tier one CDH deck, but a CDH deck nonetheless. Nonetheless. And there is a lot of really, really interesting combo line. I mean, it's in Is It. You've got a million combo lines yeah. in Is It that you can do. Especially in artifacts. Yeah, especially when your commander is doing artifact stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there is tons of infinite mana combos and stuff like that. But the really interesting um, win in it is with a card called Sands of Time. Never even heard of this before. It's really... It's a really old card. I might actually get it up to so you get the Oracle text. Yeah, because it's, yeah. it is a really bizarre old card that had to get Oracle text. Sands of time. Mm-hmm. Let's pull it up. Basically, the combo is. So I'll read the Oracle text. Sands mm-hmm. of time is a four mana artifact. Yeah. Each player skips their untapped steps, <laughs> which in CDH that's huge. It's pretty big. Stacks stacks piece already. And this is the reason why I wanted to get it up because effectively, I'll read the text first and then explain what it effectively does. Okay. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player simultaneously untaps each tapped artifact creature and land they control and taps each untapped artifact creature and land. So it swaps everything that's tapped with everything that's untapped, effectively. Correct. Weird. So do you want to know the weird interaction that you can do with Tornos? I, I assume you can figure it out. Just think about it Is with it Tornos. An infinite mana thing? Because Correct. You, you copy the ability, it'll and then we put that on the stack. So mm-hmm. it's got a, a trigger on the stack to untap all your stuff, basically. Yep. Everything that's tapped. Right Everything now. that's tapped will untap. Including and then once that trigger resolves, Tornos will himself untap. Yep. You've still got the original trigger on the stack. Yep. Tap Tornos and a blue and a red, whatever. Yep. Put another trigger on the stack, it untaps again, infinite mana. Correct. Wild. In your upkeep. <laughs> so you have so, to have an instant speed yes. mana outlet. So for like it, the deck, since it's the deck list that I've linked in the show notes has um, been created, there's so much more great stuff. For reference, this deck is so old that Hull Breacher is still in the deck. Whoa. Um, okay. So we're talking 2020 at the, 20, at the latest. Yeah. So this deck has definitely not been touched in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there are new brilliant cards for this build because you've got like Born Upon a Wind now. It's a one and a blue instant. You may cast spells at instant speed. Oh, draw, draw a, a card. card. Yeah, this is the one that was on Lord of the Rings. I yeah, think. yeah, it's yeah, yeah. the closest thing we'll get to Flash. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're CDH. not printing proper Flash. That's, yeah, that's for sure. But like this deck can do some incredible stuff with infinite mana at instant speed. Yeah. on your upkeep, like you can have Staff of Domination wins. Mm. You can do like mana sinks and a bunch of different stuff. Anyway, sure. the optimal version is a CDH list. So that's how powerful we're talking. Like we, yeah. we, we spoke before about the commanders like power level ceiling uh, of a deck, right? Like when you look at the commander, how strong of a deck can you build? You basically, you couldn't go much higher than this, right? Like Tornos as his apprentice has not a tier one CDH list admittedly, but- But a two card combo, yeah. one of which is in the command zone to generate infinite it colorless mana. Yeah, it's CDH viable. So yeah. like in terms of the, the, the ceiling, you couldn't get much higher than this. No. Cool. I think this is really cool. I do want to ask for our CDH listeners, would you like to see a James version of this CDH list? I would. Because I have scoured the internet and I don't think anyone's updated that as a list. Give it a crack. I might just do it. Let so, me know, CDH listeners. Yeah. So the second question we ask with each deck is, what, is that, what does our deck look like? Mm-hmm. So your version of Tornos... What's has it different from the optimized version the of the CDH list? Yeah. yeah, I'm not running Mana Crypt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that I've talked about this at length in a recent episode mm, called the Command Zero. Command Zero. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
where I talked about the whole deck, its, its functions and all that kind of stuff. But very quickly, it's a charge counter sub theme. So charge counters in Magic have been put on a plethora of different artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Spice 8 Rack did a hilarious video where they changed all of the cards that have charge counters to different counters that already exist in Magic to make them more... <laughs> flavorful effectively cool it's a really great video go check it out but charge counters are effectively a pretty weak mechanic you have to charge up an artifact or you have to use charge counters so you can't use an artifact more than three times Mm because once you have zero charge counters you can't tap to remove a charge counter from it and do a thing yeah because you've got no more things Mm -hmm. so this whole deck is using that to kind of lower the ceiling of how powerful it can be Mm -hmm. i'm running really weird stuff like lux cannon it taps three times or you have to tap it to put a charge counter on it and then you tap and remove three charge counters to blow up an online permanent Mm. but if you copy that ability with tornos that's pretty good you get to destroy two non-land permanents yeah that's really, really good. You can also copy the ability to put two charge counters on it. The top, speed it top up. line of it. Yeah, yeah, speed it up a little bit. Charge it up faster. Yeah. The, the name of this, considering we we're talking about the names of good mm-hmm. decks on Moxfield, this deck is called Tornos All Charged Up. Yeah, very good nice. Um, and where has the power level ended up as a result of the, the charge counters thing, do you think? Look, I think the more I play it and the more I've tinkered with it, the more high-powered it gets. Mm. I actually think there are a couple of things in this deck that I might subsequently remove from the deck sure. soon. Like, I I do run a Mind Slaver in the mm. deck because copying Mind Slaver's ability is... Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. But it is not a charge counter thing. No. So I might try and reroute it to the charge counter thing. There is also... I don't want people to think that I'm playing all these infinites in my deck, but there is an infinite in this deck as well. Yeah, this um, is the Magistrate Scepter Infinite Turns one. Yes. Yeah. Basically, if you can find a way to put enough charge counters on Magistrate Scepter over the course of two turns, mm-hmm. once you remove the charge counters from Magistrate Scepter, making an extra turn, copying it with Tornos, mm-hmm. you have those two turns to put those charge counters back on top of it. So if, assuming you can get up high enough in charge counters again within those two turns to take an extra turn, then yes, you yeah. can go infinite on turns. Which, yeah, there's lots of ways you can do that. There's like Core Tapper, there's mm-hmm. um, Power Conductor, a couple of different things. But you've said it yourself, it's not a real instant win. If I just get no. Magistrate Scepter down, it doesn't instantly win me you the need, game. You need a few other cards first and they're pretty obvious ones that synergize with the yeah. Scepter. Yeah, I, I think this this deck sits at like a... It's it's not um it's not precon level by any no. means, but it's not a high powered deck either. I think this is sort of that midish nice level that um to be honest, most of the commander that I really enjoy tends yeah. to be played around that power level. And I think um the other thing that is really good to note here is that in my hands it's very strong. Yeah. I'm the designer of this deck. I know all the combo lines and I know the weird things that you can like imprint um solemn simulacrum Mm. under this really weird artifact this prototype portal and make multiple copies of it and blah 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 i know all those combo lines shout out to a guy that i met at pax this weekend um i think his name was cameron he played my tornos deck um, in a game and he did very well with it he realized the value of golden urn Um, (laughs) it's a great card he was like oh this is kind of sick you can gain like 20 life off this thing i'm like yeah you can you can (laughs) and i've done it many times yeah i think the power level sits like pretty fair but like if i'm piloting it and if i'm like really dialed in it does get it gets stronger yeah Yeah. when you you know the lines it gets better and better for sure yeah um 
the next deck, I guess we'll cover another one of mine. Uh, I want to talk about my Marin of Clan Nell Toth deck. Yeah. With the a... secret commander of Gerard Golgari Lich Lord. You totally could run this as a... It is a legendary creature, Walt. You could just run it as the commander. It's not as fun when you do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is doing that. Um, so, yeah. Well, Marin of Clan Nell Toth, this is the one that in your end step, you can reanimate something from your graveyard if you have enough... Ch- uh, what's, what do they call Experience counters? Mm-hmm. And you get experience counters when your creatures die. So, uh, the optimized version of a Marin deck is sacrifice loops, right? You, yeah. You've got a bunch of cards like Plaguecrafter, like um, Fleshbag Marauder. Fleshbag Marauder. These kind of things, you just go in loops. You can also loop something like Spore Frog even becomes yeah. pretty oppressive. You used to have that in the deck. I think I... Do you still have it in the deck? Maybe I cut Spore Frog. I'm actually not sure if it's in there anymore. I used to hate playing because yeah. the original build of your deck was more along the lines of its optimized build. Oh, yeah. It was it was a budget one, so it wasn't yeah. like the, you know, grave-packed kind of version It didn't have the birthing deck. pod in the no, deck. No, no. I, I, I couldn't like afford any of those cards, yeah. but it was like the all of the cheaper versions of those same effects. So, yeah, yeah. Spore Frog was in there. Fleshbag Marauder was in there. Um, you know, all of those effects that do that kind of a thing were in the deck. That was the optimized version yep. of it. It was a bit aristocracy as well. And I Makes fucking sense. hated it. Um, <laughs> I hated playing against that version of the yeah, deck. It was pretty oppressive. So what does my deck look like? Well, it's become a power matters deck. Um, I can. Uh, there's a lot of more depth on this, by the way, in my All of Walt's Decks <laughs> episode. Yeah, everything we're mentioning here has been covered in that episode, yes. especially on Walt's deck. It's true. But um, yes, it's a power matters deck. So basically, Gerard lets you sacrifice creatures and each opponent loses life equal to the sacrificed creature's power. Mm. Um, so there's weird cards like Damagoth Woe Eater. That's that 11-11? No, is no. It- that, that one's also in the deck. Now, this is the 7-6 for four mana but you have to sacrifice oh, a creature in your yeah. upkeep and when you sacrifice Damagoth Woe Eater um, each opponent loses three life and you dr- draw a card and gain three life I think ridiculous but it's a, ridiculous. it's a four mana seven six so for Gerard that's his best friend um and yeah like w- giant Ankeg is a win con in my deck this card is it should be a win con in more green decks, in it's, my opinion. It's, it's pretty just, sweet. Just a big beater that gives all your stuff trample and and ward two and ward two. And yeah. it's got tra- it's an eight eight with trample and ward two itself. Like it will kill people on its own. Yeah, um, love that card. So yeah, where has the power level ended up as a result of this? Well, it's like. It's still fairly high. It's still got some really strong synergy pieces in there, like Sir Conrad. It's got really great enablers, like um, Ultra of Dementia is in there. That fills you in really That's quickly. That's sick. In I didn't know deck. that was in the deck now. Yeah. It's also got, um, what's the Greater Good? Greater Good is really strong in Sacrifice, the deck. Sacrifice, draw cards equal to the power, discard three. That's the one. Sick yeah, card. Four mana enchantment. So yeah, like there's still some strong pieces in there. It can still do some pretty yucky things, especially with cards like Sir Conrad. Um, and, you know, Gerard with a couple of creatures out can just win the game. But it's not super high-powered. And most importantly, it's not miserable the way that most Marin decks are. I'm not doing the, like, boring loops that everyone's seen a million times mm-hmm. before. I'm trying to do something a bit different. And I think, as a result, it, even though it still wins a fair chunk of the time, I think it's a lot less annoying to lose to. I hope, anyway. I like playing against it now, cool. if that makes a difference. That does I feel make like a difference. I can, I can get out from underneath it, is what mm. I feel like now. And I feel like that makes a deck not particularly less powerful because this deck is like pretty consistent it does it it does it like you said it wins pretty consistently yeah but i don't feel like it's oppressive power no i I feel like it's power that i can 
if I team up and get maybe some pol- politics going on with my opponents, mm. we could bring you down pretty easily. Yeah, 100%. It's- and I like that. I like that yeah. in any commander deck. Yeah, I'm yeah. completely with you. Um, let's go back to another one of your decks. Sure. I um, think yeah. I've got one that's in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, my Ukima and Kazar deck is a... Mm. It's, it On the box, it looks like a Voltron deck, but yes. I've made it a weird... I don't know how to describe it. It's like bounce loops and sacrifice loops with Ukima and also mm, like politics politics a bit. and almost like a control deck but not yeah quite. this actually, deck is con- really friggin weird it is really weird I actually think control is not that far from how I would describe it like yeah. it, if you sort of think about what you define a control deck as which is a deck that has kind of like and in- increment. Oh, maybe it's more mid rangey. I don't know. It's, it's incremental it's deck- value using control pieces. Yeah, to- like it's like I'll drop this one card that will win the game if it's not answered, and then I'll hold up a bunch of answers. Like, yes, I think yeah. it almost is a control deck, which yeah. is so weird to say about a Voltron it's deck. Bizarre, but like for those that don't know, Ukima and Kazar are a partner pairing for my Korea. Mm-hmm. U- this, is, this is the partner with pairing, yes. so they have to be partnered with each other. Yeah. And therefore, if they're in your 99, when they ETB, you can go find the other one. Yes. It's great. Ukima is like the main build around mm-hmm. here. Ukima is an unblockable 2-2. And it's um the, the, the color identity of the whole deck is Sultai. So it's yes. blue-black is Ukima and green is Kazura, right? Yeah. yeah. So Ukima is the build around, in mm. my opinion. Ukima is the unblockable 2-2. Now, yep. when Ukima leaves the battlefield, note leaves, not dies, not put back in the command zone, leaves in any way. Um, except for phasing, because technically you're, they're still <laughs> not on leaving, the battlefield. Not leaving, not leaving yeah. the battlefield. Um, she drains a target opponent for X, where X is her power, and you gain X life. Mm-hmm. It is so fun to like basically have a 10-10 on board that you can just loiter over people's head being like, mm. you have to answer this or it will kill you. Yeah. But if you answer it... I'm doming you for 10. Mm. It's a really, really fun deck. And obviously, I think to answer the first question of what does an optimized version of this looks list look like, it's full Voltron. Yeah, yeah. It is stack Ukima as high as you can. And then Kazar says whenever a creature you control deals damage to a player, put a plus one counter on it. Mm-hmm. So even then, you've got a Voltron builder in your command zone as well. Yeah. The more you beat face with Ukima, the more you do it. Yeah, I think the the, the, the the obvious way to build this deck is just like probably no other creatures. Yeah. You just stack it full of auras and probably mostly equipment so that you can just like chuck them back on Ukima each time. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just, just keep on swinging until you get to 21 damage and everything. Pretty much. And then I would just like run a bunch of like fog effects maybe to keep your own life oh, yeah. total protected. Yeah, some, some sort of like kind of weird answers yep. to stop you from dying. Yeah. Just keep Ukima protected build her mm. up like because two da- two power if you can get her 19 power somehow yeah that's dead. one shot and no one can block it yeah, yeah no one can block it that's wild um the other option is because i kind of had a bit of a think about this you could create a really interesting food chain CDH list with Ukima. Oh, so food chain, this is the um, enchantment that says like exile target creature you control or whatever it is. Yep. You add an amount of mana equal to its casting cost. Yeah. Right? So Plus that's- one. 
Plus one. Plus one. Right. So it's very, it basically would squeeze the immortal, for instance. Yeah. You go, you can go infinite on, it, you can only spend it for cr- on creature mana. On creature mana. mana, yeah. So you go infinite on creature mana if you have squee and food chain just like on the on the field. Yeah. Food chain's very old, by the way, which it's is a, why it goes infinite with anything. Yeah, it's a very common win con in CDH because there yeah. are a lot of commanders like Rocco, for example, has mm-hmm. a tutor on him. You can tutor yeah. out creature win cons, all that kind of stuff. But with Ukima, the way you break this is by making creature spells you cast or commander spells you cast cost one less. Mm. If you can make commander spells cost one less, every time you exile Ukima to food chain and put her back in the command zone, you generate the amount of mana you need to recast her Mm -hmm. and get her back into the battlefield. And when Ukima leaves the battlefield, you're draining someone for two. Won't that... Hold on, because won't you need... A, a discount of three the next time you do it though not one because oh, it'll one go back less. to the command yeah. zone oh you would you would need to incrementally discount it yeah maybe my brew is not quite there yet but but it's it's possible like you have the in the command zone the, the out- win con yeah you the, have the, the thing to sacrifice the food chain over and over and over again which is usually what people like the food chain cdh list that we see that's yeah. why their cdh viable is that the the win con is in the command zone yeah like, you you have to find whichever piece you need with food chain but then yeah you're Wincon is your commander. Yeah, like Rocco lists finding. Yeah, Rocco lists and, just yeah. find all of the yep. stuff they need. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon there's a way to break this in CDH. With totally they would be. So that's the optimized version. Yeah. My what version, does your deck look like, James? Definitely not like that. <laughs> um, my deck is bizarre. Mm. It, like I was trying to allude to before, it's full of combat tricks mainly. Yep. Um, a lot of ways to bounce Ukima to hands, to recast her, to kind of mm. like keep myself alive with that drain effect. Um I really like to avoid the Voltron... I, I'm going to call it the Voltron effect of where you suit up your commander so big, everyone freaks out and kills it. Not only kills it, kills you. Yeah. You get eliminated first because your three opponents go, wow, you can kill me at any point in this game. Mm-hmm. So I've avoided that as much as I can. And I'm running really weird cards like Crystal Shard is a standout performer in this deck. Mm-hmm. Crystal Shard bounce Ukima to hand and it's an artifact that stays on the battlefield. Yeah, you can do it every turn if you want. So strong. I also run like tend the pests oh yeah sacrifice ukima make a number of pests equal to her power when you sacrifice her yep run away together is also like the best card in this deck also played in my humans deck by the way oh yeah nice you know bounce one of your humans to cast it again bounce someone else's annoying thing like ukima maybe yeah it's (laughs) it's, bouncing ukima is a bad idea i would not do that (laughs) it's really strong i do Mm. have a couple of like if you don't answer ukima now she will kill you Mm. um like i run colossification in the deck as well oh yeah that's straight up so it gives plus 20 plus 20 and yep. taps it when it, the enchantment ETPs. But then the next the next combat, it's like, cool, I have 22 yep. unblockable power right now. Yeah, there's no way for me to like flash this out in combat to avoid yeah. the tap thing that mm-hmm. Colossification does. So you have to wait a full turn cycle. You, you have a turn to answer it, in yep. other words. I also have um, Vorpal Sword which I have gotten off once, but it's really hard to do. It requires so much black mana. Um, In a three-color deck, it can Mm. be hard to pull off. I've never seen you do it in the one turn. Is what I'd say. No. Like, because you need to equip it for black, black. Yeah. And then you need to... Pay- well, it's, it's a black to cast it. Two, two black, black to, to equip, equip so That's already... We're three black yeah. pips there. And then it's five black, 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 I black, think. black. So you need six black pips and then another five generic mana. And do you know yeah. what the equipment does when it's equipped as well? It's plus two plus oh and death touch, That's it? it. That's yeah. literally it. It's such a medium equipment except for the except fact that you Except for the can... activated ability to kill a player. Yeah. It, it, basically, for those that don't know Vorpal Sword, if you activate that last ability... And you hit a player, 
regardless, they die. Yeah. Regardless of infect, regardless of life total, regardless of anything, they lose the game. Mm -hmm. Unless they have an effect like Platinum Angel, they lose the game. Yeah, they will straight up. Um, where's the power level, do you reckon, settled at for this deck? This is one you've tinkered with a little bit, but not a lot since you built it. Yeah, the other thing that I did with this one specifically is built it only using cards in my collection. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a pretty low-powered deck, Yeah, this I think. is one of your lowest, I think. Yeah, I, I think this would go in the category with, like, my bear-type deck. Yeah. Um, very pre-con level. Like, I bust mm-hmm. this out against pre-con players, and I, I have done recently in local game stores, and people enjoy playing against it because they see some interactions that they never thought they would see before. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, new players go, what, when you put your commander in the graveyard? They're like, what? Yeah. Why are you putting are your you commander in your graveyard? That's like <laughs> you, you can't cannot- get it back from there. Oh wait! <laughs> and then I'll cast unearth, and it yeah. just comes back. It's so it's, good. It's really cool. I think that um, the the deck has like the potential to be more and do more. Mm-hmm. But I have kind of stopped tinkering with it. I yeah. just recently put in a background from Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, which mm-hmm. you can uh, win in our giveaway. Um, <laughs> but it's the whenever a commander you own leaves or, or commander creatures you have, when they enter and leave the battlefield, you draw a card. Oh. So because Ukima is coming in and out all the time, Sweet. it draws me a ton of cards. That's so good in specifically your version of this deck. Bizarre, right? <laughs> I like um, that. It's really cool. I like it. Uh, it's like one upgrade that I've made for, since it's been done. And yeah. I'm just going to not tinker with it because it's mm. honestly just such a weird deck of mine it's just cobbled together with kind of random cards but it does the thing pretty well i mean we talk a lot about how important it is to have a pre-con level deck that you can pull out yeah. this is probably one of your pre-con level decks for sure yeah. and i really enjoy playing it definitely all right what's i reckon we got time for one more what, sure you've got plenty of decks like this <laughs> i what? do um I think the next one I want to talk about is my Sir Gwyn Hero of Ashvale deck. Oh, this is the one where you're running all of the Sword Ofs, like the Sword of Fire and Ice, the no, Sword of Feast and Famine. No, right. you silly boy. Oh, sorry, I forgot about the topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sir Gwyn Hero of Ashvale is a five mana uh, human knight with vigilance and menace. In Mardu colors. In Mardu colors, yeah. Three black, white, red. And... Uh, it, Equipment you control equips a knights for zero mana, and when an equipped creature you control attacks, you draw a card and lose a life. Is it an equipped creature, or it has to be an equipped knight? Equipped creature. Oh, so, so anything you that's could, equipped. You, you could technically equip it as other stuff. You could, but you wouldn't be getting the discount. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the optimized version of this deck is almost certainly Voltron. Yeah. Um, you would just play any equipment that normally costs a load of mana to equip, like Colossus Hammer is an obvious one. Um, and you just put them all on Sir Gwyn, attack, you're drawing a card every turn when she attacks. Like and I joked about, run all the sort of Feast and Famines, yeah. Fire and Ices, all that. All that stuff is great. And she's got Vigilance and Menace, so you even have a good blocker for when you need to um, block people's stuff that's coming at you. Uh, my version of the deck, though, what my, what my deck looks like, uh, it's a Vorthos Knights deck. So basically everything in the deck is either a knight or something that looks like a knight or like a sort of a sword or a bit of equipment a knight would use uh, or a place a knight would go. Like it's very heavily in this like sort of imagining of castles and going to battle and There's charging. There's lots and of cards from Throne of Eldraine in, there this, are. in this deck. Those ones are pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, Castle Ardenvale, yeah, win. Pretty easy. Um, some of the other ones are harder to find. But yeah, it, it means that some very obvious good inclusions that you would normally find in a Voltron-y kind of equipment deck, like Whisper Silk Cloak, for instance. Knights don't wear cloaks. No, knights don't wear... 
not especially not the art of this is like no. very sneaky. It's knights, like, no, that's not nice. Knights might wear like ceremonial robes. Yeah. So like, yeah, maybe like there's armor in the deck. Yeah. Like, there's like this plate armor and shields and swords and see that makes sense. I yeah. can see and like I know you've got a lance in there as there's well. There's a lance in there. There's a javelin in that's there. That's pretty good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So you like, got a mace. There's a mace. There's a mace. There's a mace. Cool. There's also a gavel of the righteous. A gavel. A gavel. It's a big hammer for That's those cool. who don't know, the uninitiated. Um, but yeah, basically, like, it, it, I've intentionally, I actually pull out the deck and I say, I'm not going to win with Voltron. I'm not yeah. going to Voltron. I'll put one equipment on to win and that's it. Yeah. Otherwise, I need to find a whole bunch of knights find a whole bunch of equipment. This is literally the exact problem we were describing earlier, by the way, for those who are keeping up. This is where we get that effect from, yes. is the problem Walt has with this deck <laughs> the specifically. Reason, the reason that every time we mention it, James says, and of course, the equipment and knights problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's because of this deck. Um, you have to find the knights, you have to find the equipment, you have to suit them all up. It doesn't mean you draw more cards, but yeah, as a result of Voltron not being a win con, it's very sensitive to removal. Like removing yeah. a bunch of knights sets you back a lot. Um, it takes a long time to build up a board that actually could win the game. Yep. It's very grindy and it's very um, d- temperamental. Like if you, if you draw the wrong half of the deck or you have someone remove your stuff, it just won't work very well. Yeah, I, w- I will say sometimes I have seen you turn it into a Voltron strategy on mm. a pivot. For example, to like close out a game. Let's say yeah. there's like it's a 1v1 situation mm. left and one person has like a million life. Like they've played a life game deck yeah. and you're like, I'm not going to kill them with damage yeah. I need to switch to a Voltron strategy I don't pull out the deck and go like I'm not playing Voltron I'm, I tell them like Voltron's not the strategy yeah so it's, it's not still the win there. that I'm going for yeah yeah, it's still there and I'm not saying I'm going to avoid it but there is also the the very fun story I've told on the podcast before of the time that I told a player that I would not ever swing Sir Gwyn at them if they didn't remove my stuff was that like a politics deal? that was a politics deal ever I said I would Ooh, never attack them with Sir Gwyn I, I would love that in writing yeah. I, like that no, no. a deal like that i would be like can you write that down well for me? i won through it is the the, the moral of the story i did, did not nice. it came down to me and this player and it, i would have won about six turns earlier if i could just attack with yeah. Seguin. but he kept removing everything else that i had and i had to find a weird other win and i eventually got there well, but yeah good on you for sticking to your word thank you that's a good Thank one. you. um so yeah where has the power level ended up as a result of my vorthos theme it's pretty low uh, yep. I, I wouldn't wouldn't put it at pre-con level, but I think it's pretty close, honestly. You talked before w- when we were evaluating all of my decks in that episode, you said you don't like this deck because it never wins. <laughs> yeah, look, it's not... Because it's not doing what the commander wants it to do. Mm. Um, but the weird thing is the commander actually incentivizes you for swinging with more equipped creatures, which is the wild thing. Because you draw you more dr- cards. You draw more cards. Yeah. But the other thing, the downside... You do lose a life for each creature that's attacking. So I've seen you on multiple turns have like five equipped creatures and swing with those five creatures that are all equipped every turn. And you lose five t- five life every it's turn. Not, it's not a May ability. You have to. You have to do it. And like honestly, I've seen you go like, oh, I can't swing now because I'll lose a bunch of life. But I need to find a card to answer the problem on the board. Mm. I have to. I'll go to one life. Yeah. Sure. Like <laughs> it's basically the trade off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well. It can be challenging for some of us to build low to mid-power decks when we tend to upgrade our decks over time. But choosing an underpowered commander or deck strategy is a great way to reduce the power level ceiling of a deck without compromising on our enjoyment in the optimizing process and our playgroup and our local meta might just thank us for it. So, Space Commanders, Command Command received. received! 
This this is like good get commanded content. This yeah. is like, hey, sometimes playing a really hyper synergized commander mm-hmm. just isn't as fun. Yeah. So to the listeners out there, do you feel commanded? What do you reckon of building with the wrong commander or as we did in the second half of that episode with the wrong strategy as mm. well? I feel like that's more fun to do. Mm. Like take a commander and just be like, no. Nah. Yep. I'm not going to do what you tell me. Yeah. Fuck you, I won't do what you <laughs> tell me. Fuck you, I won't. Sorry. Yeah, no. R- rage, rage against the machine. Yeah, he's just raging against that. the machine. Um, I would love to see, yeah, some of those those brews. I want to see like a Corvold only food deck. Play Corvold the way he was supposed to be played. Wow, that's I want to see No a treasure deck, creation. No treasures. I want to see a Corvold deck with no treasures, no clues, no tokens of any I kind like except that. food. And then, in the see. same vein, I want to see a Shurikai Genesis Engine Voltron deck. <laughs> Try and do that. Try and crew Shurikai and kill someone with Voltron. <laughs> Players trying to use the de- decks the way they were designed to be used instead of... <laughs> it's in actually the wrong way to do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, like, I love that about like when wizards design a card they design mm-hmm. it with all the best intentions and, and then, then someone goes wow you can go infinite with like the yeah. new river song from the doctor who mm-hmm. goes infinite with time stream navigator from ixalan oh, way God. back when because you draw cards from the bottom you take an extra yeah, turn yeah. put time stream to the bottom draw, draw it, it for bottom. turn yeah ridiculous wild ridiculous well you can get in touch with us uh over on twitter instagram or threads which is of course where our giveaway is happening so don't forget to enter yeah. that and uh, you can also send us an email or join the greensboro commander community discord server which is where we hang out and so do other members of our play group yeah um and also like leave us a review if you can um it really helps our metrics mm. uh, on spotify and apple podcasts google Podcasts is shutting down yeah uh, we've just heard so clearly as a result of this awful feature of not being able to review podcasts and our like <laughs> persistent slandering <laughs> of their name it was us and us alone i think it took definitely them down. was but yeah it helps our metrics out a bunch and yeah you'll be able to support all the great content that we make and speaking of of the absolute best way to support our content like our patrons have with this fantastic upgrade to our microphones is Patreon. It's Woo. linked in the show notes. It's the best way to support us directly. And I'd like to thank our patrons, Stella Tam, Fuzzy, and Bottomless Potamus, and an extra special shout out to Fletcher Cutting, who supports us in the Space Commander tier. You're the best. Yeah, you are the best. And a very quick thank you again to Palms Off Gaming for sponsoring this awesome podcast. These guys are awesome too because they make great deck boxes, sleeves, binders, and a bunch of other gaming accessories to keep your stuff protected. You can check them out, palmsoffgaming.com.au. And I don't want to give much away, but keep an eye out on our socials for some exciting mm. stuff coming from Palms Off yes. very, very soon. Very, very soon. It's on the horizon. Not going to say anything more because no. it's, it's very exciting. Well, I reckon that's all the magic that we have today. Yeah, we got but we should walk. planeswalk out of here and into somewhere else. Do Is you? my week this week? I think week? it's your, your yeah. week, yeah. Well, look, I'm going to real simple planeswalk this week mm-hmm. um, just because it's something that me and Theo, my partner, have been doing mm-hmm. pretty much consistently. We're planeswalking to outside. Outside? We have been the outside world. I know. There's not, a world outside this podcast studio. Not Where? in a game store. Show it to me. Is it PAX? No, it's no? that because that's also in a building. Oh, is um, it the game store? No, that's also a building. Oh, no. is it PAX? No, that's also in it. We've talked about that. Yeah. No, I'm like actually outside. <laughs> Theo and I have been really consistently going for walks pretty much. After work every single night, nice. Uh, we go for like three, five k walk oh, just great. every single night. Yeah. Um, it how long has does that been... take you roughly? Like half an hour? Yeah. Pre- it depends on how briskly we're walking sure. and, and how much 
conversation we need to have yeah, after the end of a long day. If there's fair. like not much to report on, we'll like put a bit of a power in our step. Yep. And then if there's like some stuff we need to discuss, like mm. one of us has had a bad day, for example, um, then it takes we we'd bring that pace down a bit. But mm. I just generally a very quick, simple planes walk. Just by going outside, and in especially if you're in Australia, the sun is shining at the moment. We just entered daylight savings in Melbourne as so well. So the nights means, are brighter at the end. Yeah, the sun right. is setting at about seven forty at the moment in Melbourne. So there's so much evening to enjoy mm. after work if uh, if you would like to. And they're gorgeous evenings. I know yeah. we had like just this week we had a bit of rain, so we couldn't go on that many walks. But mm-hmm. like I'm looking out the window right now, it's gorgeous outside. Yeah, it's lovely. Just. I reckon if you can try and go for a walk, if it's even just a kilometer or less than just mm-hmm. around the block, go for a walk. It I was in a pretty horrible headspace about like a month ago, mm-hmm. mainly with work. There's a lot of stresses going on, like trying to get this podcast sorted. I'm flying to England next month. Yep. Don't worry. There'll be episodes coming out. <laughs> um, it's it was I was just in a bad spot. And then Theo and I started walking pretty much every night and i just feel so much better for it Mm. and i know that our podcast tries to help people have better games of commander but i also want you guys to have just better lives in general yeah if i can give you a tip go out and just take a walk in the sunshine definitely i mean even in the last episode we were talking about the reset button you get in a game of commander just by stepping up and walking away same thing head outside get some of those beautiful uh beautiful rays of sunshine and some vitamin d crisp air yeah yeah very nice simple planes walk i like this one no sometimes you don't have to go to theater shows or anything like that you just have to (laughs) you just gotta go go outside i like it a lot well that's all we have time for so we'll see you next friday for another transmission from the Space Commanders. Goodbye, Commander players. Bye.